so the first thing is you have to say, um, buyers buy on their time. And so what I want to do is I want to be there when they're there. And Hello, everyone. This is Ellen, the producer of The Black Line Between Sales and Marketing with Doug Davidoff, CEO of Imagine Business Development and Mike Donnelly, CEO of Seven Cents. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Black Line Podcast. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I am. Uh, I got to tell you, the allergies are kicking my butt a little bit. So we're going to we're going to try to grind through this episode. But uh, if my eyes pop out of their sockets, uh, uh, maybe this maybe this will be a better one actually to listen to instead of watch. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's definitely been quite brutal past uh, past couple days. Well, actually, no, didn't really get bad again until today. Yeah, it's pretty much uh, welcome to Washington D.C. The Mid Atlantic, right? Rain and yeah. pollen. That's basically it's a choice between rain and humidity and pollen. And sports teams that can't pull it off. Hey, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I know you're talking game six. Yeah. Tonight, but uh, yeah. We'll see, we will see. So, Mike, what have you seen going on? What would you like to talk about today? So, you and I were chatting last week about this whole concept of lead activation, and I thought we could dive into that and unpack it a little bit. You know, we could probably change the name of the podcast to "You and I were chatting last week," or "You and I were chatting." <laughs> Actually, that's be the name of the podcast. You and I were chatting last. Dot dot dot. Yeah. Because that's pretty much how I think But that's, I where, that's where the ideas come from, you know? That's absolutely, absolutely. I'm sorry. So I, I wasn't listening after I came up with a new name for the, uh, for the podcast. So let's, let's No, what I was saying was let's – because let's it, it, it was a very interesting observation and I think something that everyone struggles with. So let's just unpack, you know, that conversation around lead activation. Yeah, so I think what it came from was, well, we, we, we've actually done um, a webinar on the topic. Um, we've done a, a couple of blog posts. You, you remember the blog post I did on, on sales quotas. That's kind of, um, yep. the kind of that, that, that idea originated from, from, from what led to this uncovering of, of, of what I've been calling lead activation or lead activation syndrome. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I was doing some work I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a couple few weeks ago. And, and as happens from time to time, I, it, it caused me to look at some of, uh, some of the older stuff that we did. Um, and, I, and I came across some of the assessments and proposals and, and things like that. And, and, and what I saw was how much time I spent up front talking about lead generation, the importance of lead generation, what it is, how lead generation has changed from when you and I first got into sales, I guess when I first got into sales, you know, what? Oh my God, 12, 30 years ago. Holy cow. Typewriter, typewriters and, uh, and, typewriters. and in, in, in index cards. That's right. We were, um, crank cars. We had to crank up the engine, yeah. get the, <laughs> the car going. Um, press hard. You're making three copies really meant something back then. Now it's just, uh, now it's just trite blather. Um, no, so, so what, what I, what I noticed was, while I still spend, well, I probably should say spent, because <clears throat> we changed this in the last few weeks. While lead generation is still talked about as a priority, one of the things that I noticed is we spent a lot less time 
in our in our presentations and our assessments explain it. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, that that got me thinking. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because you know lead generation is kind of a given. Now I am reminded that, that there's still a very large group of companies that that I think are still stuck very much in the 1980s, 1990s approach. You know, it's easy to get lost in <clears throat> with a lot of the companies that we work with. That you know everybody's thinking about lead generation. But even those companies, when I talk to them, they're they're familiar enough with it. They've seen it. Um, that they don't debate it as much, so we don't have to explain the need for it. Um, and then I began to see increasingly as I was doing analysis, and I, and I think this is one of the things that really struck me, was I, I did an analysis of someone's database um, back five or six years ago, and they had like 700 names in the database. And I, and I referred to it as a good-sized database. And I was either... Um, I don't know, high or something, um, or it was really different because Lord knows you talk today, 700 name database is, is um, infinitesimally small. Um, in the last two weeks, I've, I've um, reviewed a company with a database of 35,000, 58,000 and 62,000 names. And, and, and actually the one with 62,000 names two and a half years ago went through a calling process and two and a half years ago, they got it down to 15,000 names and it's up to 62,000 names. And the reason that I'm talking to them is they're, they're not getting the sales momentum that they wanna get. And so what, what, it, what really occurred to me in that moment is that lead generation in so many ways isn't the problem anymore. We still talk yeah. about it. It's still listed as one of the top three problems. You know, if you open up the inbound report um, and, and and I know, it, you know, it's, it's funny, and I'll, I'll, I'll break to get your take on this, because I talk to sales executives, I, you know, I'm talking about VP sales levels, et cetera. Um, and, I, and I noticed that they have a tendency to kind of contradict themselves. And then on one hand, they talk about, we need leads, we need leads. And then when you start talking about lead generation, they go, look, we're getting more leads than we can handle right now. And, and it kind of opens up the Wait a second, you need leads or you're getting more leads than you can handle? Well, I think part of it is there's, when, when those complaints come about, it's, hey, we need more qualified leads. But at the same time, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about last week, the new name of the podcast. Um, but you already have this big pond that's sitting there that you can fish in. Like, your existing CRM, your existing database that you're just not, you're not doing anything with it or, or, or you're doing very minimal with it. Yeah. And so you're, so you're leaving, you're leaving a lot of people behind. And I think the reason why, in, in, in my opinion, that so many people are focused on lead generation is you're looking for those quick wins. That's, that's the great thing about a, a, a lead generation program is we're all looking for those kind of quick wins. Do, do you think that's what it is? I do. And maybe I'm not explaining it well enough, but we're looking, we're saying, okay, this person is six months out, a year out from a making a decision. They're just not ready yet. So as a salesperson, we just kind of forget about them. We're looking for that, hey, 
who's in the buying process today. And therefore, if we generate enough interest at the top, we'll find enough people that are ready to make that decision today. So whereas if we go back to um, a couple weeks ago, when we were talking to, um, what's his name from Igneous? Steve. Steve. Yeah, sorry. Um, brain part there. Uh, so when we were talking to Steve from Igneous, he was saying, look, I, I have to focus. I, I only have a limited pool. And at some point over a period of, you know, every month, every quarter, maybe 1% of my overall addressable market is in a buying, you know, is in a buying mood or is in a, is in a, is in a decision making mode. Right. Uh, so, so, and then um, we, we, we've got some stuff up on the screen for those of you that are watching, if you're not watching, um, come visit the show notes and we'll get these, uh, we'll, we'll get these images in there so you can see what we're talking about. But what, what I used to spend a lot of time talking about was flat funnels. We did a lot of things, businesses did a lot of things to, um, to generate awareness, but, but literally once you became aware, you know, you went to their website, the only thing that existed on their website was brochure copy, contact us. Um, and it was basically, you know, so who would you like to buy from today? And, and, I, and I talked about the need to build, you know, we talked about top of funnel. Uh, and, and, you know, that led to the whole conversations we had several podcasts ago about Lyft that I've been talking to, you know, the principle of Lyft. Um, and then realizing that, like, one of the things I realized is that by and large, companies aren't building flat funnels per se anymore. They are building tops of funnels. Um, and I think any company that, that, that's taken growth seriously um, has a lead generation program in place. They're generating leads. And I think one of the things that we've seen is that generating leads per se, that's not the hard part. Um, it's, it's actually relatively easy, keyword relative, relatively easy to generate leads. And so what's happened is, you know, this company calls their database, puts it down to 15,000. It grows to 62,000. And, and, and you can see from, from what's on the screen right here that they, they, they developed this top of funnel. And, and it, it, it wasn't then that, that where I coined the term, I actually started to coin it about two and a half, three months ago. I, I referred to somebody's funnel. I said, the problem is that they've got bulging funnels, right? What, what's happened is, you know, if you, and if you look at this funnel, you see that the, the top of the funnel is not the widest part of the funnel, which is kind of the theory of, of, of the funnel. We, we, we now have databases that are bigger than, than our funnels are, right? or I should say than, than the tops of our funnels are. The problem is we've got absolutely no mechanism whatsoever to bring those, um, you know, to, to do what I refer to as to activate those leads. So it's not translating into um, that higher velocity, faster, easier sell. And so, that's where I think that the vice president of sales that I was just talking about sounded contradictory, but was telling the truth. We need lead generation. We've got more leads than we can handle. They're both true because they're not looking at it the right way. Now, I, I don't know what the, what the reason is. Um, I think that there are some companies that, that it's about the quick win. Um, you get to see the impact of, of that more. I get to talk to them a little bit more and I don't hear people saying by and large, there are, there are obviously exceptions, but, but I would say 
20% of the people I talk to are speak quick win language. You know, they're doing this as a tactic just to, um, you know, try to get that quick win. 80%, I, I, I don't hear, I'm not saying that they're not doing it for that reason, but I don't, I hear intent that says otherwise. I hear they're trying to, to, to quote unquote, do it the right way. Um, but it's the same net result, which is we're jamming people in. We've got this, I mean, we've just got this backup of funnel. We've added tremendous complexity. We've added tremendous cost. We're blogging, we're emailing, we're doing all of these things. Um, and it's not translating to, to, to sales activation, to, to, to real sales conversations. So salespeople, um, I mean, the primary way that companies are, are accelerating growth still is, is by increasing headcount. And so you end up getting incremental gains, et cetera, from that. Um, and, and, and so I refer to this as, um, as, as bulging funnel, the bulging funnel disorder. And then the key down here, what, what you asked me about is this idea of lead activation. What do we have to do to activate leads? Um, and part of the problem that we have is the moment someone just begins to, um, the, the, the moment someone just begins to show the slightest degree of, um, of, inquiry of, of activation of interest, we try to suck them down to the bottom of the funnel so fast that, that we, I mean, we capture some of them, right? With, with, with yeah, yeah. pressure techniques, but, but we end up chasing a whole bunch of others away. And that, that, that goes into my point around, well, that, that goes to my point around quick wins. Right. No, I, 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 again, I'm not saying that, that I'm not saying that there's a distinction. What, what I'm, I think the problem is that most, I think the, the bigger problem is, is that companies haven't thought through the plumbing. Correct. And, and so it's and not, it, it's not necessarily that they're, that they're, well, A, they're going for quick wins. Cause I think it's, as we talked about before, they have to. But, but B, what, what we've noticed is, the, you know, the phenomenon here is while, while the, uh, well, the problem is that we forget, or, or one of the problems, I don't even know if this is the problem that I was getting to, we, we forget some principles about, about the customer, and that is customers buy on their time. And, and, and so, Correct. I mean, so Steve was, I mean, you're, you're right on it, and, and maybe it was some of Steve's conversation that really opened up some of the thinking because I hadn't um, I hadn't put words to it, but you know he basically said that that the buy cycle in his industry was every five years. Yep. And so that in any given month, roughly one sixtieth, we're in that we're in that stage of of, of you know beginning to do something. Um, and and there was nothing he's going to be able to do that's going to get somebody off of that off of that five year. Um, Ben, now he talked about some other things in the podcast. You guys can go back and listen to it if you want. Um, but what very few, I mean, I, I've said for years that today, something happened to somebody today that's going to cause them to buy from your category in three years. Here's the question. Are you there today to, to be relevant? And do you have the machine in place to keep that relevance? And uh, that's where I was going to go. 
everyone like the top of the funnel has gotten all of the new attention now yeah. now it's well, gotten I a mean, lot of lip service I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say new attention i mean that that attention has been there for a while but and, and one of the things that i also want to chat on once you get through your relatively point, is it is it's part of the problem is the way in companies incentives work when you think about that bulging funnel there's there's a pro one of the foundational challenges is incentives and compensation and that leads to that is a driver for the bulging funnel it, 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 it. It's a driver for the sucking them down to the bottom potentially, though I no. still say that that's a no. That's I I I I I don't agree. So what what I'm saying is, if you think about demand generation leads, that is how marketers are incentivized. They may be incentivized to, like in the SaaS world, get somebody to trial, and then it goes to sales, and then sales is incentivized to pull them down as fast as possible. Well, I don't think most marketing departments are incentivized for, for lead generation. Uh, more and more SaaS companies that I talk to, as well as large B2C customers or large B2C organizations are heavily compensated in the marketing realm based off of lead generation efforts. Whether that's hey, I need to get somebody, I need to get a new lead, like somebody into the database. I need to get 1,000 new leads a month. Let's just say it that way. I have an incentive structure in place if I hit that. Some organizations are saying, okay, if you get somebody to a trial, that is how your bonus structure will work. And then, again, ultimately, salespeople compensating their behavior is... is that's more of a defined, uh, or that's been defined for a long time. So how does that create bulging funnels? Because they're focused on bringing more leads in versus actually active. Nobody is, nobody is compensated on activating the lead. Actually activating it. Because that activation process can be, hey, Doug is ready to buy from us. He is, he, he is ready today. Whereas Sarah, hey, Sarah might be two years out. But we need to start activating Sarah now so that in two years when she's making well, that decision. Let, let me ask you this. When Sarah two years from now activates? No, no, no. But you, you keep her active. You start no, you slowly on. activate her or, or keep her educated. Okay, after I ask my question, um, when Sarah activates in two years, does the compensation scheme that you're talking about, um, does the marketer get credit for that? Because um, what you're kind of saying is they don't. They no, they don't. And not only that, but the other thing you've got to you've got to remember as well is most. Is, Who's staying in their jobs for more than two, three years? Not a lot of salespeople, not a lot of marketers. Hell, not even that. a lot of engineers. I don't know if I buy that. I don't buy that. The average lifespan of a sales rep is between 18 to 24 months. 
Yeah, but the, but the, the, the problem with that, the, the problem with that, Mike, that's where we get law. That's where statistics. What is it? Uh, no, I, 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 I don't. I mean, the average rep has eighteen to twenty-four months because because how many reps um, flame out in sixty days? <laughs> that is true. I mean, think about this. In, in the last three years, you you've worked with people at HubSpot. You've worked with. Um, with, with people at a variety of companies. I, I, I would say by and large, um, most of those companies, I, I'm, I'm still talking to the same people that I'm talking to. I, I think your point's actually still valid. We'll agree to disagree on, on that point because I think the lifespan of an average employee is continuing to decline. Well, well so again, I, I, this is what I'm gonna say average, but if the, if the if the average lifespan of a sales rep is 18 to 24 months, then what we're talking about is they are turning over their entire sales team every eight, 18 months to two years. It's a 50% turnover. Who is turning over their entire sales a, team? A ton of tech companies, a ton of SaaS companies. SaaS companies that are, that are getting traction? This is where... Like this is where I go. I'm all for bringing these numbers out. And, and no, no, no. I, I, like, I get your. I get your. You're obviously going to have your top performers that stay and stick, and then you're going to have you know, which is only going to be you know a select small percentage or small percentage few. Like I would love to know what's the turnover at HubSpot in their sales department. Well, so I think what you're going to put, so you have a couple of things that go into some of the numbers that drive the 18 to 24 month averages that you see. N number one is one of the things that they're doing is that they're looking and saying, what's the average tenure of a rep in their position at this time? Um, and so A, you have the flash outs that are 30 to 60 days. B, when you're looking at a company like HubSpot that is hiring such a high volume of, of, um, of people that you, you have a disproportionate number of people you know, probably 20% of the sales force at HubSpot has been in their position for less than a year. But that's not the same as saying the average, right? That's the average has turned over. It's because so many more have been hired. Um, my bet from what I know about HubSpot, and I don't have any background on, on, on these specific numbers, is my, my bet is in the first six months, it's astronomically high. Um, in the first year, it's probably... Actually, probably at about two years is when you hit your next point. Um, so some people get washed out right away, not the right thing for them. They can't do it. Um, then you get to the point where they kind of ramp up their, uh, their, their quota over about a two-year period. And, and, and so, but then I would say once you, like if you were to look at the turnover, I, when you look at turnover of sales reps, I think you have to look at it in cohorts. Uh, uh, well, turnover. absolutely. 100%, you do have to look at it in cohorts. And, and, and so that, 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 that's the place where we get lost. But, um, but, but, I, but to the point that you're talking about, I, I, still think it, I still think it's valid. I, as a marketer, I am incentivized to, to bring in new leads. Mm -hmm. um, as a salesperson, I'm incentivized to close the leads that I have. There, there is nobody that's incentivized. And I'm saying the word incentivized. I'm not saying necessarily comp. Because I think this is where I mean you're certainly yeah, 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 yeah. not measuring. Right, right. Um, there are very few people. There, I mean, 
nobody's job is to fish in the database. Yeah. I mean, I, I know one of the problems with a lot of sales development uh, processes out there is that basically, I mean, from from first email to SQL, that has to happen in 30 days where they don't hit their numbers. Yeah. And, and, and so, and then, you know, supposedly they recycle them in some fashion, <laughs> but. Yeah. Doubtful. And, and, and the other problem too, is when you recycle them, you end up recycling them. They, they just go back into an introductory case. Yeah. Which treats them like they're a brand new lead anyways. And uh, um, so, so yeah. So, so again, so here's the, the, the question is, and this is the, the I'm going to learn the answer to this. All right. Um, the question is, does this exist because we're looking for the quick wins? Or does this exist because, you know, what I was saying is that the top of the funnel has gotten all of the um, lip service attention of late. And, and you said it's been around for a while. It's been around for a while. It's not new by any stretch of the imagination, though, though to, to a number of industries that it still is new. Um, we've been here for a long time. We've been talking, we've been at the cutting edge of, of, of online marketing for a while. So, so it is certainly, um, it has certainly been around for, for, for a good long while um, in, in, in that case. Um, but, but still relative to, to the world of sales, it's still, for small mid-markets, top of funnel is still a relatively new phenomenon, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and while it's gotten a lot of noise, a lot of that noise is lip service, right? Because we're still way over-focused at the bottom of the funnel. But, but what, what my point is, is while the top, you know, Top of the funnel has gotten all of the new attention. What's getting none of the attention is the middle of the funnel. Completely agree. And and but it's, but I but I, I think it's probably the, the part of the reason for that is it's it, nobody's seeing it. That. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's something that has to do with, I mean, obviously there's nobody that is really incentivized on that activation process, or at least most organizations. Well, I don't, don't even know what it is. I, that is, well, no, that is the point. I don't think anybody knows what it is. Like it, it is, it is so obvious, but it's not so obvious. It's like one of those things where it's like, holy crap, like this is so obvious. And that's where... When we were talking last week, again, new name of the, the podcast, this like light bulb went off and I was like, God, it's so just spot on accurate around how do you activate what you already have? Well, and, and, and the reason I think that, that it's hard is, well, first off, it's extraordinarily, lead activation is extraordinarily counterintuitive. Um, and, and lead activation I think sometimes people attempt lead activation. They don't necessarily call it that, um, but they screw it up because the first precept of lead activation, well, again, the first principle that leads to lead activation is customers buy on their time, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and so we actually have to accept the fact that, you know, for all the creativity that we have, for all of the genius messaging and, and um, amazing sales tactics and, and schemes that we, that we create, we're like managers in a baseball game, right? 
you know, a great manager is worth one to two wins in a 162 game season, right? We, we, we can influence on the fringes. We can, we can create some awareness. We can, we can, you know, spark some epiphanies, but, but it, as a matter of fact, one of the problems that, that I think a lot of very good selling organizations have, I know I did analysis of our pipeline and I found this to be true is we could convince you that the timing is right for you. Like we were good at getting you to realize that you needed to pay attention to this. Um, only to not actually get you to cross the finish line. And, and we didn't lose the business. We very rarely lose business to a competitor. I, I mean, no, you lose it to a decision. Right. I mean, a, a, we very rarely, because of what we do, we're very rarely in a competitive situation. But even when we are, we very rarely lose. To, if we lose to a competitor, we lose really early. Right. It's like, well, nope, don't want you. I want, um, you know, some traditional whatever. Um, and so, again, so the first thing is you have to say. Um, buyers buy on their time. And so what I want to do is I want to be there when they're there. And, and, and when did you start selling? 2002 was my first sales job. Okay, so this must be And that was one of the first things that, and he's been a phenomenal mentor of mine, one of the first things that uh, Rob Moore taught me was, look, man, people buy on their own terms, and they buy on their own time frame. You can do, you can work a couple angles to try and influence it. Okay. But. That's why you got it. Yeah. So, so you, because you and I talked about this weeks ago. When, when I first got into sales, my goal was to be number two. I sold to be number two. I was telling to somebody the other day, we're working on our new book, I'm discussing things with the editor and I was trying to get her to understand this principle. And, and she's like, huh? And I said, Here, here's, the, here's the benefit of selling to be number two. First off, there's nobody else selling. You got no competition for number two. Everybody's fighting for number one, right? So that's number one. Number two is, um, I'm not gonna meet you and unseat number one like that. Right. And, and the harder I try to do that, the, the more I'm going to push you off. And, and, if, and if for those of you that are listening and saying, oh, well, I saw the problem that nobody else is, is in. Well, you've got the status quo and the status quo is the incumbent. Right. So never forget or do nothing. Right. Do, whether they're whether nothing. they're using somebody or they're ignoring the problem, the status quo is the incumbent. Right. And so no one's ever fighting to be number two, uh, fighting against you to be number two. So you got no competition. Uh, the second thing is winning number two is a lot less low pressure. So you don't get as much resistance, right? And, and, and to be number two means that they think about you enough to, to know who you are, to remember you and to value you, right? But, but not with the intensity of, wow, they have to make a decision. And the whole point of, of and I forget who taught me this, but it was, it was somebody who taught me this. The whole point of be number two, because if you get number two in enough places, you'll blow your number away just because number one screw up. Yep. Right. And just let number one screw up, let timing take its course. And it kind of gets to, to Steve's conversation about, about the role of luck, right? Yep. Be there long enough to let the timing play to your advantage. And, and, and the problem is, and, and what lead act, what, what, what this whole lead activation thing is because it's become gospel of, of SDRs and, and email and inbound marketing and demand generation. And all this is we have just, you know, absolutely blown up um, our, our, our databases. We go to, you know, companies 
go to their boards and say, oh, well, we tripled the size of our database. Um, this is proof of market acceptance. Right? <laughs> um, and, 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 but, but the difficulty is no one's playing with you. Like, like think about this. And, and this is the thing that I noticed is you look at someone's top of their funnel and what you'll see is varying degrees of engagement for lack of a better word. Uh, but, but I, I, I caution to call it engagement. You know, they visit your site from time to time. They open emails. You see this, they open emails from time to time. I would love to go in to, um, to your data and, and, and see of all the emails that people get sent, like begin to do some cluster analysis to figure out my, you know, my sense is probably half or two thirds of the people who open your email, open your email once every fairly significant X period of time. Yep. Right? So, so you might be running a consistent open rate, but, but it's not like that's really a measurement of engagement. There's some drive by engagement where, Oh, this caught my attention. And then that caught somebody else's attention. And then, you know, that caught somebody else's attention, but, but it, it has no additive effect. Right. And so they, they, they attend webinars from time to time. What, what I, what I've begun to do is, is to say, are these, you know, they'll take your value, right? We get a lot of people in these tops of our funnels that will take the value, but they won't engage. They won't, they won't give, they won't share, they won't actually interact. Um, on this off belief that, you know, we kind of have these two, we, we have this bifurcated approach of we have our SDRs or our prospectors, whether they're account executives, dedicated people or whatever, who take this very aggressive, um, you know, show yeah. up or throw up demo. Yeah. And right. And, and so we do that with, with, with one set and then this other set, we think, oh yeah, well, we're sending them content. And oh, well, you know, they're opening our content, so they're going to want to talk about buying from us one day. And it's like, no, um, there, there's this there's this in between place where no, I'm not ready to buy from you. Um, but I but I could be enticed to I, I call, you know, I, I think of like a cat. And actually, this is where I this is where I first thought of this. This is years ago. I didn't call it lead activation or anything. But but I remember I think it's the thing that led me to blog and, and to create the type of content that I created was watching a cat with a, with a ball of string. And I remember thinking one day, like if a prospect treated my stuff, like a cat treated a ball with string, I'd, I'd be in really good shape. <laughs> they're, they're fun. They're excited. They get, they, they play with it. Right. And it's like, let's, let's let you play with it a little bit. Um, and then we can begin to become more and more serious, if you will. Um, so, so you have to accept the fact that the buyer buys on their time and their terms. And so the key to what we call now lead activation plays are you can't sell, right? And, and, and the problem is, and, and we screwed up so, um, so phenomenal. We get that first bit of interaction. We get that first bit of positivity. And, and we're so desperate for bottom funnel sales because we've exacerbated our, our, our pipelines for all the reasons that we've talked about that Happy without realizing it, we go, Oh, positive inclination here. Let me show you what we can do. 
Um, because we've never built out the mechanics of that middle of the funnel. And, and again, I would agree with you that the incentives are screwed up. I, I have a problem when people say compensation is the reason that this is a problem. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I believe I'm, that compensation and incentives yeah. are two different things. They, they, to, two totally different things. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, so lead act, so we, so to, 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 to give some meaning to this, and there's a whole lot of plumbing that has to take place in the middle of the funnel. You know, increasingly we, we are referring to the middle of the funnel. That, that's where your engine is. That is the engine of growth. The top of the funnel is the fuel of growth. The middle of the fun, funnel is the engine. The middle of the funnel is where that point of intent happens. And by the way, that's the other place where I think we screw up. My goal is not to get you, my goal is not to influence your purchase decision. Right? And I think that's this old school marketing and sales that's still stuck with us is that we're trying to influence your purchasing decision. My intent, my, my goal is to influence your intent. I wanna make you consciously, I wanna create some consciousness of intent for what you're doing. If I can get you to think about what you're doing with purpose, then, then that's where the predictability really get, begins to kick in. Yeah, and the rest, yeah, a lot of the rest will take care of itself. I believe all of the rest will take care of itself. All of the rest is to be managed. I, I think the reason that we have all these complex compensation schemes and, and back and forth and all these other things is because we've actually, you know, we pay attention to the input and the output. It, it, you know what? It would be like an obstetrician and, and, and producer Ellen, um, what do you got? Like, like nine weeks, eight weeks left or something? <laughs> yes. Just nine weeks. But the world know that, that, that Ellen. Thank you, Doug, because she didn't even let me know until, you know, <laughs> Drew let me know. Sky Welker. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> Sky Welker will be, uh, will be amongst us. Now everyone thinks her name's going to be Sky, which I'm still voting for. <laughs> By the way, if we, could, if we could start a hashtag Sky Welker, <laughs> then maybe, maybe we could go ahead and get uh, Ellen's. Uh, oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, it would be like like an obstetrician um, advising a mother, you know, expecting mother with no knowledge of, of, you know, no sonograms, no ultrasounds, no knowledge of, of how babies are formed and what to look for. It would be like, you know, we know what to um, think about it. It's why we say um, if you sit on a hot seat, you have a boy, right. Or something. I don't know. There is some, you know, all, all these, goofy wives tales that exist because, you know, for hundreds of years, we didn't know what was happening. So we just assumed everything was caused by what you did at the end. Uh, and, and that's how that, that's why our sales and marketing processes are so screwed up. Right. And, and so the, the, the rules of elite activation play are, um, it has to be low risk, preferably no risk, or certainly to start off, preferably no risk. Um, and people need to remember that time is risk. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I got a, I've got a no risk offer. It's premium. I'm like, no, that's not no risk, right? Uh, my, my favorite people. Well, we promise we'll give you your money back. If you don't like what we do, we'll give you your money back. Okay, great. Will you give me my time back? Will, will you give me the opportunity cost back? Right. Th those are all risks that, that come into it. That, that I'm, I'm not saying there's no role for those, but those are later stage activation plays. Those are more. Um, bottom funnel conversion plays than the yeah. activation plays. So, so low risk, probably no risk. Um, low effort. Low effort, I think, is a big is, is a big component. Probably no effort. Yeah. 
um, low pressure. Right, so, so this means two things. One is um, they have to be able to see the exit sign. They have to know that they can get out, right? If, if, it, if it requires that I'm gonna have a conversation with one of our experts, with one of our coaches, with one of our advisors, by the way, for those of you not watching, there are air quotes around all of those. Those are all translated as, as with salesperson. Now, what's funny is the more you show them that, that they can, that, that there's an easy exit, the more willing they are to talk. Yep. Right. Um, so, so low risk, low effort, low pressure, high impact. Right. It's got to be real. It's got to, I have to be able to benefit from it. If, if I can't benefit from it, if, if, it's, if the end result is not something that I would have been willing to pay something meaningful for, then, then it's, it's not going to do anything, right? And, and so it really requires that we get out of our way. We, we forget about us and we say, how do I solve for the customer in a way that really will mean something? Um, and I think that you've got three problems that prevent companies from, from engaging in that. One is they don't have the confidence in their, in their stuff to, to feel like that, it, you know, they, they, they keep, they deep down feel the need to manipulate the buyer or the prospect to not fully understand so we can get them to the point. I can't tell them the price until they first understand the value, right? Um, right there. Uh, yeah, I think that, that that's an interesting right. observation. So, so, so you 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 got to have the confidence. Um, the second thing is you got to have the clarity of who your customer is. Or, and, and I believe, by the way, this is why everyone pays at the bottom of the funnel and not the top, where everyone incentivizes and measures the bottom of the funnel, not the top. And that is, if you play lead activation plays wrong you're gonna waste a lot of time. If mm -hmm. you're not really clear, if, if, if your shit's not good, and or you're not clear on who your customer is, then you invest time with a lot of people that could never write you a check. Yeah, that is, it's never gonna go anywhere, yep. Right. And, and, that's, and, and that, that's a hard, I mean, that is a hard process to go through. I mean, I know everybody says, oh, we built out personas, you know, this, that. Um, I was, fascinating or just fascinated that HubSpot internally only has two personas. I couldn't believe it when they showed it to us. It was absolutely amazing to me that as an organization like HubSpot, they only have two personas. Okay. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Who are the two personas they showed you? Uh, I've got pictures of it on my phone. Um, Cause one is, well, one is um, marketing. They're Mary. redefining No, it's not marketing Mary anymore. They, they literally, during Connect Day, they, they went through and showed us their, the way that they oh, built yeah. out. We, we, we can talk about HubSpot's personas on another day. Because I, I, yeah. I do know at one point they were down to one persona, which was, and, and really their persona mixes ideal client profile and persona together. Um, so there's Marketing Michelle and there's Growth Gary. Okay, well, they sold Gary Growth for me because I curated Gary Growth a long time ago. Okay, so I got... <laughs> you, got you got two bones to pick. So you know what? I'm going to call bullshit on you now. 
Because you called bullshit on me, and I just showed you. I just told you what it was. Well, no. What, well, the reason I'm calling bullshit is that is that if you were to take a look, if you were to take a look at what they're doing, um, they're what they're doing is not. And, and this could be a topic for another day. Maybe we'll get somebody from HubSpot on to, to to stand up against it. But Gary Growth or Growth Gary and and Marketing Michelle doesn't address the, the the sales product doesn't address the service product that they have there's there's uh, yeah, understand so so the uh, problem what the, the, what they described to us is the problem was they had far too many personas and it just got far too complex for their salespeople to follow the playbook okay so that's so they're using that from a sales standpoint gotcha yeah now by the way i think part of their problem is they have too many personas but that's a story for another day. But but again, same. I mean, same thing. You got to know. Yeah, that that is that's one of the foundational problems. Is like finding your customer. A lot of people don't want to go do it because they're not real with themselves and understanding. Hey, I can only really. This is what a really good customer looks like for me. Everybody's always trying to push the envelope on what a good customer is. You know. You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call this out. Um, because it, it when when we talked about it in the webinar last month, and if anybody wants to watch it, um, uh, double your pipeline. That was back. We, we called them hook plays. We changed the name hook play to lead activation play. Um, I actually tell the story of HubSpot because HubSpot was great at building the top of the funnel and then activating their leads in the middle. Um, and I think HubSpot's falling into that trap of of trying to suck them down so fast because I, I will tell you, you know what I have not heard anyone from HubSpot say to me, and, and in fairness, I know a lot more about them, so it wouldn't happen as frequently, but what I haven't heard anyone say to me in probably three or four years from HubSpot, hmm. that's not a good customer for us. As a matter of fact, what, what, what I have said, yeah. and they have come out and said, if you're a, every small or mid-marketing company should be using HubSpot, and I go, whoa, that, that that worries me. And I'll tell you, I'll give Drift credit. I, I brought a prospect to Drift. I Literally, the sales guy that I was talking to, I ended up having to spend 10 minutes explaining to him why I thought they were a good use case. He's like, you know what? I, I, don't, I, I just don't think they're the right ones to have success with our, with our product right now. Um, you, know, you know, you become a public company. You know, think, things sometimes change. But, but you, what you have to be able to do is you have, I mean, what, what this does, if you're going to implement lead activation plays, especially as a service company, um, but if you're going to introduce lead activation plays correctly, you, you have to be really clear on, on who isn't your customer so that you don't end up spending time on, on those people. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I think that the, the key is you, you, you've got to be able to unfold and, 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 and take that raw material. Like I, I increasingly, I'm thinking of the, the funnel as a supply chain, and and the top of your funnel is all about gathering raw material and and, and creating quality out of that raw material. Um, and then the middle of your funnel, which I think is the missing piece in so many uh, growth efforts, um, is is what are you doing to activate that lead? What are you doing to get real, honest to goodness engagement? Um, now, for us, it's got sales implications, which I'm sure we'll talk about on a future podcast. But but even for pure SaaS companies that are that are automating more and more of their sales process, 
it still comes down to engagement and, and nobody that I'm aware of, I should say very few people are, are measuring engagement and are incentivizing engagement. And, and by the way, the best way to incentivize engagement is to measure, right? Right. <clears throat> I like to praise people for getting. But the question, and this is where I'm like still after our initial conversation where I think even listeners will struggle is what are those KPIs? Like what, what data is there to truly effectively measure engagement? Marketers are still looking at opens and clicks and this and that, and salespeople are looking at closed revenue. There, there's no metrics for that middle of funnel to measure engagement. Well, so let's be clear. There's no, there's metrics for the middle of the funnel. There's no metrics in most cases to measure engagement. To measure Correct. real honest to goodness engagement. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I would even say that is there defined metric? Because again, I don't think most, this is why, again, it's been eye opening to me. I don't think most organizations are thinking about this lead activation. So I think for somebody, hopefully it's you, there's a huge opportunity to really kind of start defining what that lead activation is. So, so have we done a good enough job today of defining lead activation and why it's something that people should pay attention to? I think so. Alan, have we done yeah. a good enough job today? Yes. So, so I'm going to tell you why nobody has good metrics. Nobody has good KPI. I'm going to tell you why no one has good dashboards. Well, one, because they haven't thought about it. They haven't thought about what? They haven't thought about lead activation or kind of okay. that little. But, but lots of people have thought about KPI and metrics and things like that. What well, is the key? They do day in and day out for top of funnel and bottom of funnel. Well, you know, they, they so, so why, why are marketing, um, why are marketers incentivized for leads? Going back to the beginning of our conversation. That's kind of the industry standard because we reverse engineered and we saw companies that were growing, we're getting leads. And so what happens is we keep breaking this up. So what we can do, maybe it's the next podcast, a future podcast. I'm only on air talent. I have no control over these things. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this is why so many dashboards suck. This is why, this is why most metrics I think in this industry cause more problems than they solve. That is, you know, people say, oh, before, as a matter of fact, someone asked in, in one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook, uh, we're trying to set some KPIs. Uh, what do you recommend are good KPIs? And, and there are a couple of people who like to be really smart who say, well, you've got to start off with goals. If you don't have goals, you can't have KPIs. You're just, you know, uh, you got to work backwards from revenue. Okay, yeah, I, I, I get that. But that's not actually what goes into creating a good KPI. What you have to do is you have to figure out what are you solving for, but then you have to figure out what causes the result that you want. And so I will preview this episode that we do by highlighting <clears throat> Moneyball, my favorite go-to resource, right? What did they want to solve for? They solved for wins, right? That's what they were solving for. We wanted to win games. We needed to win. I think they shot like 92 games was what they were shooting for. If we can win 92 games. We should make the playoffs. Okay. What causes wins? Oversimplified, getting people right. off base. Right. And actually, even more so, it was not making unnecessary outs, which is why the A's didn't run. It's 
you know, not a number of things that went into it's why they didn't strike out at high rates. You know, it was, it was about put the ball in play, get in base. Those were the two things, put the ball in place. Don't strike out that, that puts the odds in your favor. That puts more people on base, more people on base means more runs, more runs means more wins, right? The problem is no one does a what's caused the sales analysis. So if you take a look at all of the things that we're doing, all of the things that are, that are leading to the, you know, the comments we're getting from, um, from some of the stuff that we're sharing, you know, people are, people are arguing with me about whether we're using the right metric or not. And I think it's funny because they're, they're looking at, they're looking at the output of what we came up with. They're not looking at the input, which I'm yeah. not saying we're using the right metric. The, the good news is if our input is right, if we're using the wrong metric, it's not a big deal. Right. Cause as long as we're, as, as long as the, as long as we're measuring the right input, then, then, we're going to be close enough and, and it, the metric's not going to take us in the wrong place because how we man, because it's not just the metric. It's also how do you manage the metric? Right. And, and so what we did is we looked very carefully and I've, and I've obsessed for 15 years. I've obsessed for 20 years. The, the entire basis of my business, the basis of imagine is the obsession. Let's answer the question, what causes sales? And so you've got to figure out for your business, what is that, causal outcome. I call, I call them activities or efforts to outcomes to results. What is that outcome that, that most proximity, you know, that, that, that most aligns with the thing that causes people to buy from you? When that is clear, now you can set up your, and you're not actually setting up KPI for the result. That's one of the, you know, that's one of the myths. You're, you know, sales is a byproduct. It is not a goal leads. I am not successful because I got a thousand leads. Right. I got a thousand leads because I was successful. Yeah. Right. And maybe I didn't even need a thousand leads. Right. Um, and, and so you've got to do that, that causal work or you're just copying somebody else's playbook. And so we can use that. We can talk about what causes sales um, on another podcast because we go another hour on that. So what do you think, Mike? I'm activation again, I, 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 I'm thinking about how to apply it in our business. I, I can see you're already like redoing your entire sales and marketing plan. Well, I gave you a little bit of a preview of like a chart that we're putting together in the app to, you know, start looking at some of those things to really define, show people what their real engagement is. Mm-hmm. You know, start to start to help them define it. Um, it's specifically around email marketing, obviously. But um, no, this is yeah. Again, I hope my mom, who's our only listener, she she's my mom listens too. Oh, okay, cool. So we got two now. Um, you double our audience. Like to to me, this is like if you really want to think about growth in 12 months to 24 months, instead of this quarter, next quarter, this is probably the easiest way to, this is probably going to be the easiest way to see that predictable growth in 12 to 24 months. So we will share in uh, upcoming podcasts and some other things um, around lead activation. Um, We'll talk about what causes sales. Thanks for joining us this episode again. Um, 
we, as we continue to work to bring sales and marketing together, make us one team, one person. Actually, what is, what's the Nationals, uh, what's the Nationals uh, tagline this year? One pursuit. So thanks for right, one pursuit. Until next time, go Caps. Ha, <laughs> ha,